And we are indeed talking food and drink. And how can I possibly talk about food and drink without inviting Andrew Dembina on the show? And here he is. Good morning to you, Andrew. Oh, very kind, Sadia. Good morning. Good to uh, good to speak to you again. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. It really has. Um, so I've got three different talking points, really, for um, for today, and uh, they are international. Two of them are drinks, and uh, one of them is a kind of food issue from Asia. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll start off with uh, something about the latest non-dairy milk that is making inroads, and it comes from an unexpected Western staple. At least for me, it was. Um, I've already sent you a picture of this, Sadia, which... Uh, yeah, it looks like a yogurt yours. drink. Um, uh, Doug, it's called. <laughs> is it, is it, it looks like a yogurt drink type thing, yeah? Well, it, it does. It looks, it looks very milky. Um, it is the colour of uh, what drinking yogurt would be. But I'll, I'll keep the listeners guessing for a while longer. The drink is currently being hailed in the US, um, even though it is not sold there in a retail way. There's a buzz in America uh, over homemade alternative dairy milk that is very healthy, economic to make, and it doesn't affect anyone who has a nut allergy. So what is the star of what I'm talking about? It is the humble potato. Yeah, I just, late- I just saw it on the box. I just saw it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it, does, it does say on that box. Um, um, it's the latest alternative on the market. We may be used to oat milk and soy milk possibilities, but potato milk, this is really new. And the picture that I've sent you, Sadia, um, is uh, a, a retail version which is commercially made in Europe by a Swedish company named Dug, G, uh, D-U-G. And this brand has, um, you know, a bit of a following in Europe. But in America, there is no homemade commercial enterprise that is doing that. And uh, Doug is the only one that's really doing it successfully anywhere. And it's, it's, a, it's a new sort of idea. For some reason, well, both for um, carbon footprints, because potatoes are readily available in America and in a lot of, uh, a lot of countries, really. Um, it, it's just being, uh, there's a big buzz about it at the moment. Mm. And lots of people are talking about making it at home. It's a bit of a trend right now. And uh, it's very simple to make. I'm going to explain how to make it. Uh, it's also, as I say, sustainable. And it requires um, not only less carbon footprint, but it needs um, uh, potatoes themselves have more than 50 times less water that is needed to grow compared to the very popular almond milk in America. So that's one of the reasons that people are sort of ecologically minded people are turning over to that. Um, making potato milk is quite simple then according to several uh, writers on the subject and uh, I, I took a simple recipe from a magazine called Spruce Eat which was, um, which was featuring an article <laughs> about all of this buzz uh, last week and really the, the, the simple way of doing it is uh, to explain all it is is peeling potatoes boiling them until tender draining uh, then combining with water and a sweetener to taste, uh, and a little bit of salt to taste as well, in a blender, processing until smooth, and then putting it through a cheesecloth or a nut milk bag. Nut milk bags are actually something which can be easily bought in the US and Europe, because people are, uh, during COVID especially, have been experimenting 
with making their own dairy alternative milks at home, along with baking bread and all of the other things that were trends. So those who now swear by uh, potato milk say that it's an easy process and you can just tweak it as you go along to add a little bit of sweetness and salt uh, as it suits your palate, you know, you, with trial and error, making it a few times. Um, and it is, uh, I haven't tried it myself, but having only read this a few days ago, I think I'll give this a go. Um, mm. It's meant to have a very smoother mouthfeel compared to some soya milk and some, um, uh, and some almond milk, thanks to its heavy starch content, mm. which if you boil potatoes, you'll know about, right? Yeah, Lots absolutely. Of, I, yeah. I'm- You know, with the potato, I could see perhaps how they've thought of it because, you know, we use obviously potatoes as thickening Mm. agents and and making a good gravy and things like that, you know. But um, in terms of, I I just wonder, like, do you know anything about how, because obviously we're probably trying to avoid potatoes sometimes because of the starch content and carbs and things like that. So whether it's kind of calorie-wise, what is it like? Is it good for you? Is it... Uh, it's, it's similar um, in calories to almond milk because almonds uh, do have quite a lot of calories as well. Um, but it is slightly higher in calories than oat milk, which has uh, fewer calories. That's, uh, that, that's something to bear in mind. Mm. Um, and th- those who are touting making it at home do say that you must add some kind of sweetener because it balances the potato flavour. That's what many are advising, but people can try as they want to. And, and, and the ways that it's used, apart from just drinking or putting on breakfast cereals, is uh, popularly at the moment, in the US that is, is with cold dessert puddings and also in vegan shake oh, drinks. So almost um, like a custard type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah like custards. Or, or you could use it for, in, like in, uh, in Hong Kong, for example, um, some mango pudding recipes have milk. So mm. you, could try, you could try and put it in that. Um, and um, it's supposed to work well to add a, a splash of it to give creaminess to soup after already cooking the soup. And that's important that it's after cooking the soup, that the soup is not too hot, because critically, here is one of the pitfalls of potato milk. It has a tendency to curdle when it's put in tea or coffee or, or any other liquid, uh, such as soup, that is too hot. So you have to let it cool slightly. And I've noticed this, even with some so-called barista, um, the expensive end of, um, of soy milk. Sometimes if you're putting it in a very hot cup of coffee or tea, um, that it can curdle slightly. So that's something to be aware of if you, uh, should you make mm. your own potato milk. Um, so here are some tips on how to make it. And the prep time is 10 minutes. The cook time is 12 minutes, giving a total of just over 20 minutes for four servings, which uh, in American recipes is four cups. So uh, I'd say two mugs um, for those who are not, uh, you know, drinking out of cups. Um, and you need one large potato, uh, which I'll convert into uh, metric measurements. It's 250 to 300 grams. Um, and quarter of a cup, uh, if you want to, you can add almonds. This is what one recipe says. And uh, this is just to give it a bit of a nutty extra taste. And also it gives more protein. Um, plus... You add, for, for sweetening, maple syrup, honey or agave syrup. Mm. And pure vanilla extract is also an optional extra, um, as is um, um, using different, different types of, uh, of water. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I must apologise, Sadia. I have to confess, if you haven't gathered already, that I am having to take this call outside. I'm on my way to, uh, 
um, to, to some personal appointments that That's I need right. to make. all right. It just adds um, atmosphere. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. 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 So, um, yeah. So potato milk then, um, it's, um, it, it, it's all about boiling um, two to three centimetre chunks. That's about an inch in, uh, in, in old measuring terms. And you just simmer them until they're soft, strain them uh, in a normal sieving type of way. And that is when you add a bit of salt sweetener or soaked almonds um, that, are, that, are, that you've also um, just got, not, not boiled, just soaked in water uh, for a couple of hours. And then you chuck all of that into a blender. So you have to have a blender to do this um, and, uh, until very smooth. And then you strain with a cheesecloth and, uh, and, you, and you, add, you adjust the sweetness if, if needed. Um, so you can also use sweet potatoes if you want to have oh, a natural oh, sweetness, that's an idea. Which, is, uh, yeah. which is something that is also suggested. Mm-hmm. And um, do not try to freeze potato milk. No. That's just a tip that, oh. uh, that, I, that I saw in a few different articles on the subject. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. The latest trend. I'll have to try um, that. It's already, already commercially available in Europe. Haven't seen it in Hong Kong yet, but you can try and make it at home and be ahead of the curve yeah. in something that is on trend right now. I'll have to start to. packaging it and selling it. Right. <laughs> It sounds really good. It sounds interesting, though. What would you call it? Sardine spud milk? I'll have to think about that one. I'll have to get a zappy name for it, you know. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's all about the marketing side. I know. Um, So um, moving on from that to uh, a recent report from Singapore, which I uh, read uh, just uh, last week on Channel News Asia, uh, which claims that um, um, that re... not, Not reusing, but using food that is going to be discarded is getting more and more popular in Singapore. And although a, uh, a shop closed last month in January, which was called Ugly Food, um, which was a really popular online retailer of basically perishable produce, mostly fruit and veg, that was past its, uh, past its best, past its sell-by date, has been... Um, uh, it had to close because there weren't enough customers that wanted it. However, others that are still in the business are saying that this is something that people have a real interest in in, in Singapore. Um, so I'll just tell you a little bit more about that. Um, yeah, the Ugly Food had, um, had such a big following since it launched in 2016 that a lot of people on its still existing social media have been talking about how um, they would like to see it getting crowdfunding to, to get it back into action because they're so sad that it left. They wanted to get it not only because the produce that it offered was a lot cheaper than full-price retail food from supermarkets or groceries or markets, but also because uh, they liked the idea of doing something to stop it just being going into being dumped uh, as, as food waste. So it was a conscious decision as well as one that was an economically driven one. Um, And also, it fits in quite well with something that uh, Singapore, the government, is doing. It's targeting a 30% reduction of all waste that goes to landfill by 2030. So food waste accounts for 12% of the total of all waste, and it wants to reduce everything, as I say, by 30% by 2030. And in 2021, which is the most recent figure, 817,000 tons um, was, uh, was food waste of the total waste in Singapore. That's a lot for, um, you know, for, for, for yeah. one city state. Yeah. So, um, so another company that, has, that is doing very well 
um, with, with a similar idea. It's called Treat Sure, and this is a mobile app that customers can uh, make purchases of, and there's an always changing selection, as there was with Ugly Foods, because it depends what they get their hands on. Uh, and it offers deals. Um, Treat Sure also works, it collaborates with restaurants to allow customers, and it, it changes every day, to go to certain restaurants that are on its app, which has excess cooked food, and people can go and get really great takeaway deals from these different restaurants that are, that are collaborating with Treat Shore. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the, the co-founder of uh, Treat Shore, Preston Wong, says that he believes that Singapore, though, has not yet reached the levels um, societally where we can all embrace imperfect food. That's what he says. He says that people are a bit obsessed with the exteriors that are superficial. And he says it's the interior that matters. And companies who win the loyalty and the confidence of their clientele are quality checking these to make sure that food is safe for consumption. Of course, if there's a bruise on a piece of fruit, and I've sent you a, a lovely yes, picture of lovely some aging, of fruit. Mm. <laughs> yeah, aging produce there. Um, it's, um, uh, you know, there are spots or signs of spoilage, but, um, but this has not got to a stage, where, of course, where, where mould has set in or anything like that. Um, it's, it's all a question of people having the confidence to take things. And, and, and in the case of cooked fruit and vegetables, either for soup or you can think of fruits for pies or jams or sauces, it doesn't really matter. People, customers on the, on the social media for all of these uh, different businesses talk about that they just cut these pieces out um, so there is a little bit of waste, but 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 most of the produce is perfectly usable. What do you think about that no, idea? No, I'm I'm all for it. I just think that seriously, so much is wasted, and there is nothing wrong. I mean, sometimes I've got stuff in my fridge which has been mm. sitting there for a reasonable amount of time, and it's looking a little bit sad, believe me. But but you know, yeah. I use it all up, and I think, okay, get it all in there. And frankly, once you've cooked things, then that outer skin and things like that really doesn't make that much difference, to tell you the no. truth. But I, I do, I'm absolutely 100% behind that, that we need right. to be using these things, because I, I can see people in supermarkets choosing stuff, and, and they're picking and choosing this perfect sort of apple or perfect yeah. banana and stuff. So, yeah, it does no, happen. Absolutely. It? Yeah. yeah. Um, there, there, there are a couple of companies. I reported in the middle of last year, there are a couple of operations. People can Google around and see what they find. There is one app in Hong Kong. I've never actually used it, but I, but I have it because I reported on it. I was curious about it. It's called Phoenix, P-H-E-N-I-X. Not, there's no O in it like the bird. And, um, and they, they, they do something um, similar in Hong Kong, but I mm. haven't really looked into um, if there are any others that have sprouted up since then. In, back to Singapore briefly, another business there that does, has done really well is called Crust Group um, and it brews beer from surplus uh, bread, particularly the crusts, because people do sell uh, crustless loaves in Singapore a lot. Oh. You can see them in Hong Kong oh, as well. Yeah. Um, and so it's been using them to brew, to brew beer and um, it's, uh, at first people were a bit sceptical or confused about how that could happen, you know, how it could be turned into something consumable. Uh, but uh, but they've now got quite a good following, and patrons have kind of uh, you know got on board with that. So that's 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 pretty good. I think there are ways of. Uh, um, there's another cafe really briefly in Singapore also that took it a step further. They were finding it difficult to sell the produce because of what you were talking about. That people do judge produce and are a bit picky about taking them and doing something with them, even if the price is lower. So 
um, the the owner of something uh, called Ugly Duck Cafe um, started taking the best parts of the produce and cooking items to go, whether it was um, uh, Asian or Western food, because they do both, um, which would have the best parts of the produce that they were selling, because they didn't want to be left with stock if people didn't buy it all. They would then start cooking it up. So I think that was a very clever idea. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Moving on to the last uh, item, which is completely different and uh, at a different spectrum of uh, uh, higher end, really. But but something that caught my eye uh, just over a week ago was that um, one of the larger quality whiskey distilleries in Scotland has just released at the end of last month a very unusual infused single malt whiskey. Um, and the distillery is Macallan, and it's part of uh, a very kind of collectible, uh, small edition range that they're doing. And they're not always doing it um, by infusing the whiskey with something else. The first one that they did in this so-called Harmony collection, uh, which are experimental bottles made in different ways, uh, was, had, had no extra ingredient. But the second one has, um, it, it's called Smooth Arabica, which... Um, which, which gives you the clue. They're coffeeing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they're, 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 they're blending with a, with a master mm. distiller. And this is a massive, very well-respected, award-winning distillery in Scotland, one of the big ones. Um, they're, 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 they're taking the... Uh, they're distilling um, coffee. So it's clear they're taking some of the best uh, of the taste of, of coffee by putting it through a distillation process in the same way that grain is put through it to make whiskey. And, um, and they're using only um, Ethiopian coffee beans. And Ethiopian coffee beans are often a lot more expensive than some of the other Arabica, Arabica uh, beans. I know that because I've, uh, I've, I've had sort of tastings and I've, I've yeah, bought some myself before. It's, it's priced a lot more, Ethiopian coffee. It's, it's got a, it's a less bitter type of Arabica coffee. And, um, and it has this kind of lasting sweetness on the mouth that's different from a lot of other coffees. So it does sound like an interesting idea. Um, but it, it's cost, Sadi. Would you like to have a guess of what it costs? They don't say, which is a bit dodgy, how many bottles they're making. A lot of champagne producers do the same thing. They don't actually tell you. They say it's limited, but they don't tell you how many they're producing. However... Normally, a regular bottle of, of, of Macallan, um, uh, which is um, entry level, would be about 500 Hong Kong dollars. Um, don't know if you're going to have a stab at this, or shall I just tell you? <laughs> um, 200? I'm just going to go. Oh, right, okay. Well, it, 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 it starts from um, uh, 2,400. Um, to uh, this is the retail prices available for, for oh. by ordering in Hong Kong one of these limited bottles, two thousand four hundred wow. Hong Kong dollars, wow. um, or uh, the, the most expensive I've seen is just under five uh, five thousand uh, Hong Kong dollars. Yeah, I meant two thousand um, actually. I was thinking uh, yeah, okay, yeah, thought, uh, yeah, 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 sorry, it wasn't two hundred after yeah. you said five hundred. Well, well, you're bang on yeah. because the, the 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 cost from Macallan, the distillery themselves from the UK, which people can do it that way, um, is. Um, two thousand Hong Kong dollars plus plus a delivery charge, but the oh. retail price is two thousand. Because I always delivery. convert it in my mind into pounds. You see, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was thinking two hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, and it's it's a bit it's a bit stronger as well as having the coffee. It's forty four percent alcohol, a shade over the usual forty percent that mm. they are. But that is a pretty penny. 
to spend on a um, on a coffee flavored uh, whiskey. Perhaps. So that hasn't been done before. I mean, like, does it have a significant? I mean, you obviously haven't tasted it, but I mean, in terms no. of somebody tasting it, it can you probably oh, taste that well, sort of? I, okay. Uh, so if we go into the parlance of uh, of, of some of, of some of the those who have reviewed and tasted it, they say that it does have um, a on the nose when people are smelling their drink before sipping it. Um, it it has um, some notes of tiramisu and you know the coffee dessert and cappuccino, but when you're drinking it, um, it has more of a hazelnut uh, and sweeter. Uh, taste raisin and vanilla on the palate has okay. been mentioned. Okay. So I'm not surprised because that Ethiopian coffee, as I said, does have a sweeter profile. So to be sweeter on there is uh, is what I would expect. I suppose for so, somebody who enjoys coffee, then that's probably quite a nice yeah, um, addition yeah. to that flavour as well, isn't it? Definitely. Anybody who likes um, uh, coffee, particularly Ethiopian coffee, and fancies as a treat, it could be worth a try. Brilliant. But you have to you have to get your you have to get your orders in, I guess, because they're saying it's limited. Okay, yeah. we'll take that as they say it. But that's yeah, brilliant. Exactly. Thank you. That that's really good. Some interesting stuff there today. I like Mixed it. Mixed bag. Yeah. Good. I'll have to glad. go and boil some potatoes when I get home now. Yeah, and, and uh, if, if, if you've got a if you've got a cheesecloth or something that you need to, it, 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 it's said to take very little time if you whiz it in a blender first, and it's just okay. a question of sieving and then the fine sieving with the cloth. Well, I'll give it a shot, Andrew. Thank you so much, and I'll tell you next time I talk to you about the potato thing. Anyway, all right. Great. <laughs> thank you so okay. much. Time Thanks, is eleven thirty.